Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Welcome to season three of the Relatable Voice podcast. On today's episode, we are heading to California to speak to Chester Richards. Chester is a retired aerospace engineer, inventor, adventurer, author, storyteller, and of course, a romantic. His new book from The Potato to Star Trek and Beyond, Mirrors of a Rocket Scientist is out now. So Chester, welcome to the RV. Thank you. I'm glad to be along on this trip here. Yes, I was looking forward to driving from Spain to California. I mean, it's a long drive. Don't do that overnight. <laughs> <laughs> no. Chester, you are Sicilian on your mother's side and Yankee on your father's side. So, how did they meet? I guess you can speak Sicilian dialect. No, I used to speak Sicilian, but I lost that when I was four years old. So it's long gone. And how did they meet? Um, it was at the beginning of World War II. And my dad was uh, in the Army Air Corps and he was stationed on Long Island. He didn't, you know, when he got leave, because they'd get leave periodically, his buddies would go out to the nearest bar and get <laughs> plastered, I guess. But my dad wasn't that kind of person. What he'd do is he'd go into to Manhattan to the New York Public Library. Uh-huh. And my mother uh, was also a reader. And they met on the street corner across the street from the New York Public Library. And I don't think they read very much that day. <laughs> I think they just got well acquainted anyway. It was instant love. And that so that's how a Yankee gets to uh, meet a Sicilian. Oh, that was a romantic story. And then they decided to live in the U.S. instead of staying in Italy. Oh, no, they were both American citizens. My grandparents on my mother's side were born in Sicily and emigrated somewhere around 1900 to the United States. And so mom was born in in the United States, born and she lived in Brooklyn, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. There are many Italians in Brooklyn. There's a whole bunch in Brooklyn, I guarantee (laughs) you. Italians speak with their hands out, but Sicilians speak with their whole body. So when you are walking in Brooklyn, and you see many people moving their hands. Well, I was very good at it for a while, but my mom kind of took it out of me. There's a story in my website that about uh, 
how I got trained out of waving my hands all over the place. <laughs> and, you know, you are the first aerospace engineer that I have on the RV. With layman's words, please, Chester, what does an aerospace engineer do? Good heavens, I have no idea. <laughs> I, what I know is that I, they kept feeding me all kinds of different kinds of problems. And so I just, you know, solved problems. Sometimes they had to do with missiles and sometimes they had to do with radar systems and cameras and um, digital image processing and whatever they fed me, then I, that's what I worked on. But, it, um, you know, there are specialists in the industry. And um, I had the great privilege for a while for about four years of working with the people that built the rocket engines that put us on the moon. So I got a chance to see from the very inside what that part of the industry is like, what, what going to the moon is all about. And uh, quite extraordinary individuals, as, as you might imagine. And obviously rather bright. Yeah. <laughs> These are not average people. No. You know, I would never try to go on a trip like this. So would you go? Well, yeah, if I, if I were 60 years younger. Really? I'm so <laughs> afraid of highs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, it's, there's always a hazard involved. And um, on the other hand, it's the opportunity to go and do something as extraordinary as going into space. Man, I wouldn't pass that up. You know, yeah. um, but I'm too old for it now. So I'll just watch other people get to do that. You know? mm -hmm. Chester, you co-authored one of the most popular episodes of Star Trek. When did you start writing? Because an engineer, usually we don't see many engineers writing. Well, that's true. Um, I got my start in engineering back uh, basically writing technical proposals and, and technical material. And um, so we had in the group I was working in, we had a, an editor uh, who had been uh, an editor at Time Magazine in the United States. And she had retired from Time Magazine. So she was coaching us on how to write stuff. But all that's, you know, that's teaching material. It's not uh, fiction or anything for entertainment. It's just to communicate. So I had those skills. I had basic skills in how to put a sentence together and where to stick the period and where to stick commas and things of that sort. But then uh, in college, I met Judy Burns. And uh, when she graduated, she was uh, very interested in writing for the Star Trek series. This was back in the 1960s in the first uh, three years of, of, well, it turned out to be three years of, of Star Trek. And uh, I had an interesting idea, so I suggested it to her. And uh, she said, fine. She says, let's do a script together. So we did a speculative script, and she had the connections that allowed that script to actually get read up in, at Star Trek. And they decided to go ahead and buy it. So that was the beginning of a very great adventure, because uh, what we discovered was they had wanted some minor changes, just a few changes here and there. And we ended up having to completely rewrite the story from scratch, almost from scratch. Wow. And we, we got a whole new story out of it and um, quite a bit of an adventure in the process. And it's in the book, a uh, description of how that 
process took place. But uh, that was my first uh, serious endeavor in terms of writing as an entertainment rather than as a as something as a descriptive uh, writing. And after that, uh, when I went on various adventures, whitewater adventures primarily, I kept a daily journal. And uh, so every afternoon after the day's events, I'd sit down and I'd write another chapter in the, in the journal. And very often, if there were interesting things that happened during the day, I would read the, my section of the journal around the campfire in the evening. And so I had to be really honest about this whole thing because uh, the people sitting next to me were people who were there and witnessed what I had experienced. So if, you know, they're your best critics, the people who were actually there. And all of this was written down within hours of the events that were uh, in the journal. So um, I developed a, a writing style that was pretty lively, that, that was intended to entertain my companions on these trips. And uh, just kept doing that year after year after year until I got very well practiced at, at writing stories. Well, and then what happened was, um, you know, I had a lot of stories, uh, all all kinds of true stories that I had through the adventures that I'd had over the years. And then my wife died about 15 years ago. She had a heart attack and just passed away. Uh, passed away, And I was just wiped out. I was just totally knocked out. And I found that by writing some of those stories that I had told her or that she had read in the journals and so on, just writing those stories down as like love letters to her, um, that it helped me regain my balance. And after a year or two of, of writing stories, I was basically able to recover my life and build a new life out of that. So I just kept writing. I've been writing and writing and writing for the last 15 years, and I'm still writing. I'm right in the middle of a story right now, as a matter of fact, uh, that I started a couple of days ago. Yeah. And you write only nonfiction or? Uh, no, all, all true stories. All true stories. They're all true stories. Uh, I hope I don't embellish too much. You have to make it entertaining, but uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll throw in some dialogue um, in order to move the action along. But and that's kind of reconstructed dialogue from the events that actually happened. But uh, they're all true stories, and they're all. I've just had a very interesting uh, series of experiences. Um, so I've got a whole bunch of things that are that are for me at least a lot of fun to write about. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. I was checking your book. Actually, I really want to read your stories. And I was curious, and I believe our listeners 
are curious as well. So why did you choose this title from Potato to Star Trek? So can you tell us the story behind this title? Well, I can't tell you the story behind the potato because my publisher says we got to leave that to the reader to find out for herself by reading the book, you know. So, but I, what I can tell you about the potato was it was a very dangerous experience. There was a lot of hazard involved, and I have the scars to this day uh, from from that experience. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty hair raised. I don't have much hair left. I think I lost it a good chunk of that. Uh, working with the potato mm -hmm. but I think you'll find the story to be very entertaining I'm sure and your book is a memoir with stories that are out of the ordinary can you tell us a little bit more about this book please no spoilers how many stories do you have there or just oh, there, there's all kinds of stories there's stories about almost being in a plane crash and what it was like to, to go through that experience. Uh, there's, of course, a, a considerable write-up about my experience in, in the Star Trek and what it's like to work inside Hollywood and with the people in Hollywood. There's stories about uh, my musical experience and learning how to become a professional musician, which I was for a short time. Um, and there are stories about people. There's mm -hmm. stories about all kinds of interesting people. Um, I don't know if it was popular in, in Europe, but it certainly was popular in the United States. And that's a movie called uh, Ford versus Ferrari. I don't know if you Yeah, heard. I watched this movie. You watched that movie? It was a good movie, wasn't it? Yeah. Very good. Well, Very well good. there was a thing in that movie called an engine that was, the engine couldn't quit. It absolutely won the race for, for Ford. Okay, they pushed that engine beyond any possibility of survival and it still kept going. Well, the guy who did that engine, who, who designed and built that engine was Bob Pons. And Bob Pons was one of my colleagues in the industry. And I called him Uncle Bob and he was one of my mentors. So there's a story about Uncle Bob and where that engine came from and Uncle Bob's dealings with Henry Ford and all the rest. That's one of the stories in the, in the book. Wow, that's interesting. I I really like the the movie, and I was I believe I was sad because he died or something like this. I remember the the actor. Oh yeah, the the, um, the um, driver the driver died. Yes, mm -hmm. which was a great tragedy. But you know, really fascinating to to learn from a grandmaster like Bob Pons. Um, and so that's where I learned uh, a discipline called system architecture. And I have a story about system architecture and, and some of the work that he was doing in that area. And um, Chester, you have a life full of adventures in surfing, learning and performing music, travel to exotic places. And can you tell us about details of exotic adventure. All right, I'll tell you a little bit about one okay. of the, probably the most exotic adventure. Well, close to anyway. And that is, uh, we did a whitewater expedition in Ethiopia down a river called the Omo River. 
uh, which in those days was wild. It's they've, they've built a dam since then, so it's no longer a wild river. But the advantage of that particular river was they had these little critters called tsetse flies. And tsetse flies tended to eat the native, the cattle that the natives in the area lived on. So the natives stayed completely out of the area. So for, what was it, 350 miles, we were going through absolutely pristine wilderness. There were no human beings around except for ourselves. And of course, we had to deal with all of the issues in dealing with uh, creatures in that part of the world, hippos and crocodiles and um, little and sundry little insects that were very bothersome <laughs> and frogs and all kinds of other stuff. And, and um, survived the experience, but it was quite an experience in going through that. I did have some problems in dealing with crocodiles, which we don't talk about in this book, but hopefully will be in the second book um, where I will, we, we are planning a second book uh, in this series. And so I'll talk a little bit about that, but, uh, and there were dangerous natives. I mean, uh, Ethiopia at the time was in the middle of a civil war, as it turned out. It just got started just as we arrived and it was going pretty much full blown by the time we left a month later. And so there, there were some really serious hazards uh, involved in, in being in a war zone. Fortunately, we spent most of the time out in the country. So we didn't, you know, we weren't mm -hmm. yeah. uh, threatened. But I did see some stuff that's talked about in the book um, where there, there was uh, at least there were more than one fatality that was involved that uh, was part of the experience. So yeah, that's exotic adventure. Yeah, and I got your grimace. It's okay. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I survived. Oh, and I think seeking adventure takes a lot of courage, Chester. Yeah, or foolishness, one of the two. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend who was very experienced in that part of the world. He says, don't do this. I said, Tasso, I says, I've already paid my money. I'm going to go on this expedition regardless. And he says, you're not going to come out of it alive. I said, well, we'll find out, you know. Well, I did come out of it alive, as it turned out. So I was right about that. And I have to tell you, having that experience as a memory is a wonderfully powerful memory. And you can't trade an experience like that. It's not like reading it in a book. You have to actually live it in order to have those that richness of experience. And that's... You know, that's kind of the essence of, of adventure is there's always risk. There's no, you know, adventures are, they're stressful at the very least, but there's all, uh, in some cases, there's actually risk involved. And uh, in that particular case, I was willing to accept the risk. Besides that, I already paid my money to go. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. I wasn't going to leave my money behind. And, and you know, I, I came out so much richer from having had that experience. We learned so much when oh, we absolutely. go on an adventure. In my opinion, adventure is mostly about how you feel the world. And I saw on your website that you say that there are two types of adventure. Well, actually three. Uh, so there's, there's adventures that you go seek out. Like I went to Ethiopia and I've you know, done whitewater and surfing and all kinds of other stuff. So those are adventures that you, they're out of the ordinary and you go out and do those things. And, 
uh, and you learn from them and maybe you survive from them and maybe you don't, who knows. And then there's the adventures of ordinary, ordinary life because you'll find yourself in stressful situations during the course of your life, uh, whether it's moving from one city to another or taking, taking a new job or getting married. There's a great, admit, great stressful situation. Um, or death in the family, you know, all of these are highly stressful situations. And if you look at those from the point of view of, of what did I learn from this experience and treat the, each experience like that as an adventure rather than as, as something that, that you just don't want to think about anymore, learn the lessons from it. Those are, those are important adventures. And they're ordinary you know, everybody's got them in their life. It's just a matter of attitude uh, as to whether you treat those as, as adventures or not. I tend to treat them as adventures. You know, I've had some very difficult times, as you know, and I just look at them and say, okay, an interesting experience. What did I learn from it? And work, what can I take away that's good from, from the bad that happened or the good that happened? Mm -hmm. Then there's a third type of adventure. And I have to tell you, that's not not one you want to be involved in, getting stuck in a hurricane or in a war zone, or as we have them in California, earthquakes. <laughs> and some of those can be pretty frightening. Um, so those are adventures that you have that you don't necessarily want to have. Chester, you are so creative, and I'm sure there are more things coming. You're not going to stop writing now. Tell us what are your next goals? Well, the, the story I'm writing right now is about weather in Alaska and try and make a really good entertaining story out of rain in Alaska. Let's see how you can do that. But I'm in the middle of that story and I think it's going to turn out to be pretty, pretty entertaining. That will eventually appear on the website. Oh, okay. And this story, it's going to be a in the in this new book that you are going to, it'll probably be in the new. This will be in the third book because mm -hmm. we have one book that's already uh, in edit, and then I'm collecting stories for a third book right now, and then of course I have the the river journals, and there's at least a book or two out of, that can be collected from the river journals as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's there's a lot of potential for the future, but mm -hmm. right now our plan is to. Um, occasionally publish a new story on my website, you know, just to keep people uh, attracted to the website and entertained with, with new ideas. Mm -hmm. so, so as you, if you go to the website, you'll see some stories that have already been published there. I was reading your website. There are very good stories. And I would like you could share with our listeners where we can find your books and also where we can find you online. My website, there's it's one word, Chester L. Richards, just that string of letters, Chester L. Richards.com. Mm -hmm. And that'll take you to the website and all the material that's in there. The books are available at uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And there are uh, outlets in Europe as well, bookstores in Europe that are carrying the book. Um, and in the United States as well, Walmart is carrying the book as well. So uh, there's a very variety of, of ways of getting the book. And there's different, you know, there's hardcover and, and paperback and electronic. Uh, uh, there's an electronic version as, as well. So I encourage people to take a look. Um, 
So a lot of material on the website. Uh, hopefully it'll entertain you. Uh, I'm sure it will. And Chester, you know that I will be very happy to go back to California to visit you and also to learn more about your next ventures. Your oh, next thank one. you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So do, would you like to leave a message to our listeners? Well, I'm not really good at delivering messages, but, you know, life is full of adventure and take the good and the bad together and learn from the best you can uh, from those experiences, because that's after all what life is all about. It's about experience and the, the way you treat the experiences, whether or not you're going to have a happy life or or sometimes a very sad life, but I prefer people to have a happy life about from their experiences, good and bad experiences, both. Yeah, we don't have only good things. We experience both things, but it, as you said, it's important to try to, to understand and get something good even from the bad experience. Absolutely, yeah. So thank you very much for your time, Chester. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I would love to spend like two, three hours listening to your stories. Well, I do have a bunch of stories. There's no question about that. <laughs> But, you know, as you are very busy, I will get your book for sure and I will read. Your thank you so much. I hope you're entertained by it. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.